0: to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinski and Dog Bark24.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 39 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you as always, Bob Chichinski. Here with my good, good friend, Dog Bark Twenty Four. How you doing this week, Dog? Going okay. How are you? I am doing pretty good, man. Glad to have you here as always. And this week, we well, we're glad to have all you guys here as always too. Listening. Thank you so much for so much. You all. I'm, I'm working on my my pronouns. Anyways, this week for TES October, we will be covering the three royal heads of the factions. And of course, we'll add in some of the other amazing royalty mixed in to ESO throughout Tamriel. So the theme is royalty. That's what we're going with. So yeah, you'll get the big, we're going to, we're going to talk some, uh, some of the, you know, kings and queens of uh, these factions vying for the throne of Cyrodiil. So before that, as always, we're going to have some news and some Cyrodiil dog. Not much news, right? Um, as far as news goes, just that witches Festival start next week. And that's October 22nd to November 3rd. Witches Festival, man. That is honestly just excites the crap out of me. Like double XP, Plunder Skulls from every type of boss, Dramora Skulls. I mean, we could get the hat on PC, the Witch's Hat. Yeah, it's just the witch's hat. It's not the uh, wizard hat. That's true. It's not your favorite. I I wish I could trade my (laughs) wizard one to you and keep the witch's one. But yeah, so not a lot of news going on. Witch's Festival coming up. You guys know Markarth is coming. Very, I mean, by the time the witch's festival ends, PC will have Markarth. So that's pretty freaking awesome. And uh, console will be shortly after, and the new consoles, guys, they are so close. Are you guys getting them? We're talking Xbox Series X and S, and the PS5, I don't know, big and small. I'm not really savvy on all that, I don't even know if they have two types. But uh, November 10th and 12th coming soon, guys, coming so soon. So uh, that's exciting, you know, uh, not for the accountant side of my life trying to figure out how i'm gonna swing trying to get one of those xboxes but anyways uh i'll worry about that in my own personal time <laughs> let's talk about some serial updates so you guys remember there was some um, testing going on we have four weeks of testing and it turns out that the testing has not stopped we also had a fifth week of testing that we totally didn't even talk about and we are now in the sixth week of testing and with this continued testing we get more and more kind of crazy stuff going on so for example uh this is the uh little excerpt about test five. It says uh, we started test five group sizes are currently limited to 12 in Cyrodiil and this is past, but this is what happened. Group sizes were limited to 12 and any ally targeted abilities were only applied to group members. This was ongoing until October 12th. So Doug, when it says any ally targeted, I mean, that's, Heals, buffs, like everything pretty much.
2: Yes, but the main thing is, you know, heals. Because, you know, someone has to be salty about it. And, you know, remember when I said back in episode 32 that the might eventually turn to healing a group only? Well, they officially they listened. Tried-
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, they listened. They finally listened, and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Was, well, you, you, know, you, know, you called bad it.
2: news, and like, I think I was, I played it for what I think thirty six hours, and it was like the worst. Or I guess I mean, it was only playing uh, in Cirado for like three hours, but it's like the worst three hours of Cirado ever. I couldn't heal anyone. I just watched people die in front of me, and I could do nothing about it. I joined a joined a group to help, like heal some people, and I so he tried to heal my allies, and they just died. And I was sad,
1: yeah. And you know a lot of people might not know, like our place style. like when me and dog go in Cyrodiil, we really solo it up, like unless we're both in there at the same time, which unfortunately doesn't happen as often as we'd like. but that we group up, we run together, or we run with like our couple friends, but we like to we just if we're alone, we go in there and solo it. So going in there as a healer, not in a group now not being able to heal anything is. Almost just, like, uh, pointless entirely. I mean, dang.
2: Like, because the group sizes were so small, like... Like, no, like, I don't think there's... really negative groups Because a lot of it was just guilds. Like, I know at the time that there was, like, five or six different guilds, like, coordinating together. So they were all in their guild groups.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you limit the size... Then people are going to get selective about you know who they want in their group. I think like if they were to try this again now, I
2: they're they're already moved on. But if they were going to try it again, then I think they really need to knock it down. Like make it so that you do not see friendly heals. Like I'd see like you know five six uh, healing screens and a couple winter sprites go off. Like oh I'm going go, I'm going to stand in this. Oh you know let me go. Peer- I, apparently you could synergize. I don't know why, but. You could allow they allowed synergy, so I could synergize a purify, which is so nice when you didn't have purge. Like if you don't have purge, you don't have purify on your low level character, it just sucks. Like if you get hit by an oil, you pretty much just die because you can't outheal heal it. Yeah,
1: I mean it, it's tough, and like you said, they did move on, and it's it was kind of weird that like okay. Let me formulate this sentence. So when I think about them trying to lessen the strain of AOEs on the game, and I'm, you know, I don't know any of this game developing stuff. This is just what I think of it. So, you know, theoretically, if they make it where all this fancy stuff you have going on when your AOEs are happening, like Dog was saying, uh, a purifier, um, a big one now is Winner's Respite uh, popping off, or um, man, the Witch's Coven one from that dungeon that goes glows all around you. Heidi, I think Heidi. Yes, 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 perfect. Thank you, dog. But yeah, Heidi, you see that all over the place. So if it can't, if it can't affect you, then you know. Like, why do I need to see it? Like, that is kind of, like, the thing for me. Like, if we're trying to lower the strain on everyone's game by making it where you can only affect certain players with AoEs, then why are you still making it where everyone can see them? Like, if I if my game doesn't have to load 10 people with Hedi and Winters Respite and Purifies and Earth Gores, then, theoretically, that should... Re- reduce strain more than the way that they're affected i don't know i clearly it doesn't or you know they would probably be doing that but in my mind i don't want to see it if it can't help me you know like just get it out of here because i'm gonna try like i'm i'm like okay this is a heal like i'm going to get healed and then it doesn't work it's like oh no i'm dead
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple times I'm like, oh, like there's like eight, like, you know, there's like twelve, twenty 20 heals, like just right here. I these oils like I should be fine, right? No, I was wrong and I died. <laughs> there's many times I bathe in oils. He's like, oh, like there's plenty of heals here. I'm just going to go, you know, sit in it, be on the ram and just kind of heal myself and heal my friends. You know, whenever I get like dipped low and no, that wasn't the case at all. I just died most of the time yeah
1: i mean you know it happens it it is tests though it's all testing that's important to remember and uh it is important to also keep in mind that it is it's really good to see them testing stuff you know like not all of it's gonna work that's what tests are all about so you know but at least they're they're working on it they're trying to fix you know create a solution so Uh, Dog, why don't you talk about a little bit what's uh, currently going on this week in the 6th test. Alright, so this week they kept the group size to still uh, 12.
2: But if you're in a group that contains 6 or more players, everyone's AoE abilities will go on individual cooldowns and have escalating costs. Similar to the tests above, so... Like the, uh... Pretty much anything that was an AoE went on like a cooldown. But then after that if you try to use it again it would uh give you more it would cost more and then uh gina also put we'll let you know when we have a plan in place moving forward once uh this test concludes now my thing with this is that one thing that i noticed is that a lot of players were not in groups of like six or more unless if they were like a ball group and the reason is, it's like, you know, if you're in a guild, like, you know where you're going. If you're coordinating with other guilds, you know where you're going. So you can easily get away with being in a group of five. And because your healing is now allowed to heal everybody, you can kind of coordinate. And then if you use Discord or any, like, voice chat type stuff, like, it's even easier to communicate. And plus
1: there's always zone chat that you can always communicate to your friends to all allies so and i mean that's the thing it's like you get a bunch of these people in discord and uh or you don't even need a voice chat honestly you got guild chat right there in the game i mean and uh it happened immediately like there was you know people not letting people into groups in dc it's hard to find a group um, I don't even play in a group usually, but I i just kind of test the waters just to see. Um, like, you know, because I was interested, like, are people really running groups? No, they weren't. They were just really had select groups. And uh Evan Hart packed, you know, from what you know the zone chat was saying in DC, who really knew knows what's going on? But yeah, they said they had like just hundreds. Of people in a bunch of small groups all coordinating, and honestly, Evan Hartback is so good with coordinating. I w- I wouldn't be surprised. That's kind of their thing, but I I don't like the, the this this kind of like limiting. Like I, I don't think that should be the solution. I mean, it. I feel like it clearly didn't
2: work because. When I was on like DC, has been telling people like, yeah, make sure that you don't go in more groups more than six, because otherwise you're if you use any uh, an AOE like you're spammable, especially if you're a Templar, like Jabs is like a Templar is spammable. It's just like stand builds, they have dizzy swing or, you know, spin to win Templars have uh, Jabs and you take
1: away, away that then a Templar really isn't a Templar at that point. Yeah, and now I don't want to get too downtrodden about it. Let's talk a a little bit of the positive side of these things. Let's talk about how, um, like, out of all these tests, you know, like, what was positive out of them? And for me, I think that, um, like, as much as I said I don't really like the limiting stuff, I don't also think that 24 is really necessary. Like, that is a huge group that is ridiculous. And even if you've led a group uh and you know you start pushing into the 20s, 24s, it just gets so hard to keep everyone coordinated and it's it kind of becomes a mess, honestly. I think that maybe 16 seems like um you know like we're talking 24, let's cut it in the you know, let's take a third out of there. We're take it away by eight. We're talking 16 that seems like a pretty solid number you still can have a pretty significant group and that is a tight that's a tight knit group you could keep that group very well coordinated and um so i like that i think that like take it down a bit not like 12 cut it in half too much cut it in a third that feels like it could be um i think that that would be a really good strategy possibly and then on top of that, I really like um, the ramping cost in the Aoes because when you make it where just all Aoes have a you know cooldown, or a specific Aoes even have a cooldown, it it gets a little it gets tough. I mean, maybe if it wasn't three, maybe if it was two, you know, if they really like limited it down to you know like ground cast, AoEs, the things that make a, you know, they take up a large area of cast. If you break every single, you know, little tile down, pretty much, we're talking little tiles that are all put together. An AoE takes a certain amount of those tiles that all of them are happening. That's what's slowing down. You know, that's what's messing things up. So, I, I don't know if the ramping the cost actually helped that much to fix it, but I think that that would probably, if anything, I think that with a limiting the groups a bit, but not half, but like a third, I think that that could be um, I, I something I see going forward. I think that that could be something that really could get tried out. What about you, Doc? What do you what would what, what do you think out of these has been a positive look and something that they could progress on I think that they should uh I think like
2: I kind of do want them to kind of retry or do a relook at the group only healing or just like that just kind of I want them like kind of just redo it and because I'm kind of curious about some stuff it's like what if like let's say you take like your support and assault skill lines right? you make those be able to apply to your allies because that's, like, from Seer, that makes sense to me. Then you take your, uh, like, anything else, is so just, like, group only. I think that could also help because, I mean, for being honest, you know, when you see, like, 10, 15, you know, healing springs, purifies, uh, whatever the warden heals is, and then the necro heals, like, that's going to cause strain on servers. And I feel like when you have, like, the way that they have it set up right now it's it's like they're forcing multiple people, especially when it's only groups of twelve. like more there's more healers out there because you want to be healing more. But if you have like you know that sixteen group, like you can get away with one or two healers per group, then you can easily fill up those groups a lot easier. And then like I said, if you have like the assault and support skill line. Maybe reworks because some of these support skill lines really aren't the greatest skills. Like, no one really uses them. So maybe rework one to be, like, a good AoE heal so that you do have an AoE heal that's for, like, Magicka. And then for, you know, stamina, you have Vigor AoE heal. And then you have Purge, which is, you know, the Purify. And then if you just have those two things alone, I think that you could get away with making everything else group only and then having your support and your assault skill lines as being for all allies inside do,
1: Yeah, I think that is, you know, pretty solid pretty solid way to do it. I hope that they do um you know take everything in from all these tests and I hope they learned a lot. And like you said, I think that they should continue it. Uh maybe not <laughs> a new test every week maybe we just get to play the normal <laughs> game for a bit <laughs> maybe yeah. like one test a month would be uh you know okay and then we just get to play the game sometimes but anyways yeah we definitely we felt like we really had talked about that uh we'd ne- we of course never get to talk enough pvp here at the red diamond courier we love it uh, You guys know it. But anyways, uh, Dog, you got anything else you want to go into here before we talk some scores and get into the episode? I did, I did want to talk about some of
2: my, you know, serial adventures. Like, you know, I chased about 20 yellows out of ash on my level 13 character. And then I guess I was, you know, pretty scary. And barking at them. Yeah, I was barking at them. <laughs> and it definitely had nothing to do with the DC faction standing behind me. No, I was just chasing after them jabbing, and they were scared. They they ran for the hills. I believe it. Yeah, and then they turned around, and I, I was a little bit scared, but it's okay. I was supported, and it was fine.
1: Well, dog, sometimes you know that's that's just how it goes, but that's why it's good to have the might of the DC behind you. So. Let's see how the DC is doing this week over on PC Stadia NA. We've got AD 73.4k leading Greyhost, and we've got DC in second, 71.4, and EP in third at 71.2. Then on the PCEU side of things, we've got Ebonheart Pack leading 73.6k, AD pretty close behind 73.4k. And Daggerfall way back with 60K. So, dog how about those Xbox scores? All right, so
2: for uh, Xbox N8, you have 80 in first at 26K, followed by EP shortly behind with 23,973, and DC behind them with uh, 23,893. And currently towards, like, little... uh. During, like the potential points scored, EP and DC were pretty much even. So it's uh, it'll be a battle for sure. And they're both, they're both so close to AD, so who knows? Then for Xbox EU, you have AD in first with 29K, DC in second with 25K, and EP in last with tw- is 16K. So AD has a pretty solid lead against EP
1: and also a pretty good lead against CC. And then from our one and only PS4 correspondent, Lotus of Doom, we have the PlayStation NA scores. Ebonheart Pact is leading with 27.5K. Daggerfall Covenant with 24.6K in second. And Almeri Dominion in third with 23K. Then we've got the Ebonheart Pact leading the EU side of things as well. 31.4K. The Aldmeri Dominion in second with twenty two point five k, and the Daggerfall Covenant in third with twenty one point five k. Unfortunately, so with that, we're gonna start with the one and only Queen Iren of the Old Mary Dominion. Now, Queen Iren, she, as you probably know, is the ruler of the Aldmeri Dominion during the Three Banners War. But you may not know that she is only 28 years old, same age as I. And um, that's pretty young for an elf. Like elves are traditionally, you know, when you think of elven, like rulers, um, you know, royalty, probably like much, much older. But she is a young, very young queen. And. It actually so happens that when she was going to be, like, you know, trained for her coronation, she actually dipped from Somerset, totally took off. She went to go adventure all across Tamriel and experience all kinds of different cultures and, you know, meet all kinds of different people and races. And she succeeded in doing so. For 17 years, she adventured across Tamriel and only returning to Somerset to. Uh, claim her right to the throne once the king had passed. So I love talking about Queen Iran because during her time on the mainland, she did all kinds of crazy stuff. So let's just, let's just talk about it a little bit. Now, for most of this stuff, all this uh, good deep stuff, I pulled it from elderscrolls.fandom.com. You, you guys should definitely... Go check them out if you ever have any um, lore stuff. They have a great Elder Scrolls wiki. So, Anything I didn't know about Queen Irene, that's where uh, I got that stuff from. So, Shout out to them. Great site. You should check them out. Now, it says here, During her time on Mainland Tamriel, Irene is rumored to have sailed as first mate with a pirate captain from Anvil, disguised herself as a Dunmer in order to read the Indigo Scrolls in the Vaults of Necrom, bested the Darvishes of Rihad at their own sword dance, and outdrank Queen Mobjarn Flamehair of Windhelm in a mead slamming contest. Now, that's Yorin's mom, right, Dogged? Yes, that is Jorin's mom. That's pretty crazy. And now, there are other stories that say she once rode a bear, hunted Frost Trolls of Skyrim, delved into the depths of a Dwemer ruin. I mean, you know, who hasn't done that? They're everywhere. I'm just kidding. But flew upon an enormous kite of the winds of the Alakur desert and danced with Nereids in the Alessian Hills. So during her travels, one unfortunate thing, however, which pretty much ruined her um, idea of, you know, Men and you know all you know humans pretty much um, Abner Tharn, you know somehow she got trapped in Imperial City in prison and was personally tortured by Abner Tharn for like a full year, so Yeah, way to go way to go there Abner Tharn So that is a main reason why she ends up um, you know wanting to reclaim the White Gold Tower and the Empire for the elves, you know. She wants to put them back on the throne over men. So she forms the Dominion, and she doesn't just force these, uh, you know, other races into it. She helps the um, Valenwood with fending off the Colovians, and she helps elsewhere with the uh, saving them as much as I could from the Nahantan flu. So she definitely ends up putting, you know, a pretty good team together that, you know, they may be the least of the discontent of the fighting in between, you know, infighting the faction. And, you know, Personally, for me, I think that, you know, her adventures and her experiences is what allows her to be a pretty benevolent leader and open minded, but still, um, you know, strong when she needs to. And she can take action and fight along there, you know, alongside her people. And yeah, I, I think she's awesome, honestly, but it's probably because I played on AD for like my first four years. So, you know, a little bit of a sloth for, for uh, you know, all the Razumdar and Queen Iren and everyone. But, Dog, what about you? What are your thoughts?
2: I mean, I did like her storyline. You know, pretty much covered the rise of Queen Iren and the Ultimate Dominion. Although, you know, if Abraith really tortured Queen Iren himself, then she probably deserved it. Also, you know, side note, Razumdar is a man and is a cool cat. And Iran doesn't hate Raz, so you know I think that's just slander ruining Abner Tharn's questionably good name. So
1: Dogged, I think it's safe to say that you're probably wrong and Abner Tharn is evil, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but anyways, Dogged, why don't you tell the good people about Yoren the Scald King? Alright, so you know, as mentioned
2: earlier, he is son of Queen Mobjarn Flamehair. And then Hilday was uh, his older sister. He had a twin brother. We'll talk about him later. As you know a kid, Jorin had a great talent as a singer. He learned from their most renowned bards in the Eastern lands and it was dubbed the skald Prince of Skyrim." Then, you know, there's a sack of windhelm, and for anyone who doesn't know, this was when the Echeviry raided the northeast coast of Skyrim. Jorin and his pack of bards fought up from Riften to Windhelm, but he arrived too late, and his mother and sister died. Joran then went to the Greybeards for help. And the Greybeards, you know, usually they kind of just stay out of stuff, but the, great, the Greybeards like, you know what, I'll help you. And he, they summoned Wolfhearth, the Ash King from Sovngarde, which, you know, if someone from Sovngarde comes down and, you know, of course, it's going to rally all the Nords in Eastern Skyrim to continue fighting the Akaviri. And they did at Riften. And they pretty much held them off. So the Akaviri is like, you know what? This is boring. We're going to leave. We're going to go towards Morrowind and Mornhold. Which Jorin is like, you know, we're not done. We're going to follow after. Because, you know, that's the Nord thing to do. And this was, you know, Jorin's being a true Nord right here. And he followed the Akaviri into Stonefalls. Met up with the Tribunal, Amalexia, and her Dunmer army. And this was the first time since the Battle of Red Mountain that a Nord army entered Morrowind. Pretty big deal. But there was no winner because the Alcaviri are pretty strong. But that is when a fourth army of Argonians came in for a 3v1 against the Alcaviri army. And that's when the Alcaviri finally lost. So, I mean, I think it's pretty much safe to say that without the Argonians... Yorin would be dead, and there would be no Ebenhard Pact. It would be the Akaviri Pact. Because the Akaviri would have killed all the Nords and all the Dunmer, and then probably all the Argonians. In that order. And then Ash King was returned to Sovngarde. Jordan was crowned High King. Brother Fildor wasn't happy. He let the Stormfish Brigade to take the throne by force, but he was exiled. And that's pretty much all what happened, you know. That's like all of his history, you know, before ESO takes place. All right, so for the Ebonheart storyline, though, uh, this pretty much just goes over the formation of the Ebonheart Pact and covers Yorn with like the Rift and Esmar storylines. So it's pretty interesting, definitely something you know go into. And then you know, if you've done the uh, Cold Harbor mission. Or just the Cold Harbor, you know, and all that. You talk to Venus Galarian Gair- and us being the vestige. We convinced all three leaders to meet up to face Molag Ball in Cold Harbor and asked if each alliance would send some troops with the mages and fire to guilds to end the threat. So yeah, Jordan threw a fit over D C and or 80 to going to take an advantage. Then, you know, out of nowhere, Molag Ball showed up. He tried to kill them all. Uh, you know, he said he's the god of schemes and you know, boasted about himself. And then Joran did the most un-Nord thing he could possibly do. He actually, like, nothing else happened. Like, some king of Skyrim, right? Like, you're supposed to be a Nord. Like, you're being, Nord, you know, this great Nord beforehand. And some Daedric Prince comes on and, you know, tries to kill you. And you don't even do anything about it. Like, disappointed.
1: What do you think, Bob? Well, I mean, you know, dog, you got to give him some slack because he's clearly you know he had a pretty good record you know we just probably don't see him doing all the great things he does you know in Ebonheart I don't know but it you know it happens
2: yeah I think like like you know beforehand but like before the Ebonheart pact was like really truly formed he was a great leader and then I don't know why but like after he came apart this Ebonheart pact he just I don't know. He just wasn't
1: the greatest. Now we just want to remind you guys real quick with the middle part of our episode that we are part of the Oh So Awesome Robots Radio podcast network where you can check out all the awesome other shows we have as well as join the discord with a bunch of cool people. And being a part of this network, we get to offer you guys some cool, cool deals if you check our show notes, you will see the links to Loot Crate and Gamefly where you can get 15% off your first order of Loot Crate or a free month on us when you purchase a one month at Gamefly. So that's two for ten bucks. Pretty good deal. Game it up. Don't have to, you know, buy all these expensive games. You can just rent them, send them back. But anyways go check those out it supports uh you know cool stuff for you and uh, supports the show so thank you guys for all the support as always and definitely go check out robotsradio.net
2: have you ever wondered how deep the older scrolls lore rabbit hole goes Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and
0: whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are Dragon Breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in
2: Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the Grey
0: Maybe of Tamriel.
1: All right, all right, so we've got a couple more uh, things to talk about, and um, the first thing we're going to talk about is King Emmerich, so Dogged, why don't you take it away? All right, so you know, High King Emmerich, he wasn't
2: always a high king, but you know, he was a master warrior and a brilliant politician at the young age of 20, and pretty great for, you know, being a, a, it's pretty great, you know, to be all that at the age of 20. I mean, you know, a lot of our politicians, like, they're they're uh not, you know, brilliant until, like, the age of, like, 40. So,
1: at least. Maybe we should trust some younger people every now and again. I don't know, <laughs> you know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, so, you know, the first, you know, the major thing with High King Emmerich is that there is a Reachman invasion. I mean, come on, they're Reachmen. They're kind of crazy. All right, so, you know, you have Reachman, Dirk Coach, the Black Drake. He came riding in on a stagecoach led by a dragon in Banker Eye. Dirk Coach captured Bank- Banker Eye in a week and headed to wayrest. I mean, big sense. I mean, you see this crazy Reachman riding a stagecoach connected to a dragon. You're like... What the heck are you doing? And yeah.
1: And the Bankerai right. Garrison is no joke. They held off the Greyhose. So, I mean, for, I mean, I mean, it's hard but, to follow up Dragon, but still, yeah. like, that's Dragon you know,
2: plus Reachman, no go.
1: To beat <laughs> them, you know, like, it's not just like, oh, Bankerai's a pushover. Like, that was probably <laughs> a hard fight. Yeah. So, you know, after,
2: after, you know, Bankerai was taken, they, they went to Wayrest, and they went to the Siege of Wayrest for 57 days, but they didn't carry any ballistas or rams like our good friend Vox for Siege and Keeps, so they couldn't break down any of the walls, and they didn't have ships, so they couldn't enter the port, so Durkhoach did the only thing he could do, and he left aiming for de- uh, Daggerfall. Emmerich, he asked King Gardner of Wayrest for merchant ships to help you know, defend Daggerfall. He's being a good Breton, you know, helping defend other Bretons against you know crazy Reachmen. So the King of Daggerfall, he was, he held the ground pretty good against, against the Reachmen, you know, long enough for Emmerich and his forces to corner the Reachmen, slaughter them, and then Emmerich himself killed Durkoch, and nobody ever saw Durkoch's dragon again. Pretty sad. Some say it's a myth, but. Who knows, dragons are in elsewhere right now, ravaging the lands.
1: Yeah, so the Canaan flu came in and killed so, so many people, including King Gardner and all his heirs, which led to Emmerich being promoted to King of Wayrest. And needing a wife, he first chose the Princess of Shornhelm, but then opted for a politically smarter move, the Princess of Sentinel, for closer ties to Hammerfell and their king. Unfortunately for him, this angered the king of Shornhelm and caused a civil war between uh, Wayrest and Shornhelm. Now, one interesting uh, plot here is that Emmerich met with then just Kurog, but later King Kurog, when he was a mercenary, and he offered land to Kurog and Rothgar in return for helping defeat the rest of the Civil War. So yeah, that's pretty crazy. And then he also clearly created the greater Daggerfall Covenant with the Bretons of High Rock, the Red Guards of Hammerfell, and the Orcs of Orsinium. So you get to see a lot of Emmerich in the DC storyline, and you know he fights alongside you, he's a pretty good guy, and he's just very kingly. Pretty much what you would expect of King, honestly. So, Dog, what are your thoughts?
2: All right. Well, I mean, you know, with King Kurog, he literally set up, you know, the Rothgar DLC for us. That's pretty awesome. I haven't played it, so I should probably get on that. <laughs> you know, I, I, same thing with, you know, the Daggerfall Covenant storyline. You should also probably get on that. But the important thing is that he literally makes Daggerfall Decker- Daggerfall Covenant, the greatest faction in Cyrodiil. Like, it's in the name, the greater Daggerfall Covenant. It's greater than all the others. So, can't argue with that logic right there, you know. Also, you know, on jokes aside, I do, I personally feel like he'd probably be the most fit of the three to rule over Cyrodiil, as you have to be pretty decent at politics if you're going to rule the Imperial City in Cyrodiil. As it is pretty much the center of Tamriel, and, you know, you pretty much have enemies surrounding you at all times. So you have to be a really good politician, which he is. I mean, you know, he's a, he's able to, you know, take that Breton-only Daggerfall Covenant. You know, he married the uh daughter of Sentinel, you know, pulled in the Red Guards. And I mean, he did anger some people of the Bretons, but that's fine. He pulled in some orcs, and you know, boom, stronger defense. And I'm sure if you know, he just took the he took over Cyrodiil. Then you know, we might we might not even have Talos. Like Talos might have never rose to power. I mean, maybe Talos would have been a Breton. Who knows? <laughs> Talos
1: is a Breton for Malcare. Oh, he is a Breton. See, ah, uh, you know, well, and it's that's that's heresy, you know, coming <laughs> from the Nords. But there's a lot of claims on where Talos is truly from, but that's for a different time.
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like you pretty much have to do be a, be a pretty good politician because you have to, you know, have all the trade. Because Syria really doesn't have anything crazy, you know. They don't really have a lot of space, especially in the Imperial City. It's just a lot of people. You know, you really see big farmlands, you know, in the city. So, got to make what you have and work with it. And for the most part, you know, that most of the leaders do. And then Molly Ball shows up and drops anchors in, on the White Gold Tower.
1: Yeah, as he tends to do. And I feel pretty much the same about Emmerich. I mean, so, dogged with that, we've gotten through the top three royal members of ESO, and we're going to hop straight into the other royals that may not get talked about so often. We're not going to go through all of them, but if you follow us on Twitter, you probably saw our Twitter poll we had out there. Of who everyone's favorite was. We had the three main ones listed as options. And Queen Irene definitely came through. as first place on that. Winning with 50% of the almost 200 votes. However, we did have a bunch of other great suggestions. I myself, with many other smart people. Voting for Queen Kamira. Many, many votes for Kamira. Uh, Just looking through some AP Gaming, Dalatrox, um, at slow to dedicated sim How about that? <laughs> uh, at Bearded Bovell, Kamira. I'm telling you, it's so many Kamira votes. And then we've got Lotus of Doom dropping in, shouting out the Wilder Queen and Wilder King and that's pretty that's a good call out there. Like I wasn't expecting anyone to shout those out as royalty, but um God, I love the Wilder Queen story and Green Shade. It really brings Green Shade a more basic seeming zone just to life. It is awesome, and then uh, we had a. Uh, Devin Pierce here at Crown ESSO. He recommended Stibbins, and I don't know if you can count Stibbins as royalty, but dude definitely has some classic lines throughout the, uh, the storyline there. We have Aramethius himself of the Written and Uncertainty podcast who brought up the one and only Vivek, the warrior poet and ruling king of the world. That's interesting because not only is Vivek quote-unquote royalty, but he's a quote-unquote god. I mean, dude is up there. And it just, like, when he brought that up, it kind of just reminded me, like, how cool it is that we get a chance to, like, go and, you know, talk to Vivek more. And, you know, like, that was cool for me. But... I imagine, you know, all the people who played Morrowind, because I still haven't ever actually played um, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. I started with Oblivion. And to think how cool it really is for those Morrowind players who, like, started with Morrowind to get to go back and talk to Vivek again and experience another questline with him, that's so awesome. So, that's just a little side note on that. Um, we did... Also, have one that this one was awesome. I like this one. Uh, the Goron Bat Guy at T Bat Guy, shut it out. King Basra Gro Farun, strong, humble, and pragmatic while still holding tradition. And, um, yeah, if you haven't done Rothgar like dog, go do this story, it's freaking awesome. Just because it's a bunch of orcs, <laughs> like, you know, it's not plain or anything. It's great story writing. Um, go check it out. You will freaking like it. And um in the attempt to force Dog to go do it, I will continue to try and avoid spoiling it entirely. But yeah. Check that crap out, man. Yeah, I mean, I still need to do the uh storyline too 2 you
2: know, with Vivek. Although you know Alma Alexia and she's pretty cool, I know about her.
1: Yeah, we did have one guy, uh, Danny Mack here. Shout out Alma Alexia as well. And then wrapping up a couple of them, we've got uh, Captain Sweetroll. Shout out the Ashen Lord Rada Al Saran, and we have Steve Stamina here. Shouting out Queen Arzhala who I don't even know who that is. Um, That's props right there to you, bro. And then we had um, another one. Shout out Lord Harkon, Queen Amali, which I appreciate Lord Harkon so much and and still expecting his surprise appearance somehow in the year of Skyrim. So I didn't even discredit it because somehow he's going to be here. Quarter four, watch out. But yeah, that was that's all from just people replying to our uh, poll. They threw out a bunch of awesome, uh, different people for us, so we wanted to make sure we mentioned it. And uh, before I make sure Dog gets to talk about any he wants to talk about here, I will throw out this last one that I saved just for you, Dog, because Eric Robinson at Eric R nine two six says Abner Tharn is. Obviously, the only royalty worth speaking of, which I could barely even stomach saying, but I will let <laughs> you talk about. All right. Well, I mean, clearly, Edmund Thrawn's
2: alive. I mean, you know, take, you know, Sir Cadville. I mean, he's a Prince of Cold Harbor. His portal's taken where he needs to be, not where he wants to go. Super silly. You know, wants the Thor the Craze, affectionately gnaws on his foot. It's a Dejroth. He's, there's nothing affectionate, or there's nothing affectionately that she does. So it makes sense that he would forget to tell us that he saved, uh, you know, Admiral Tharn midair while falling and then zipped him to wherever Tharn is needed for the future DLC. And then Cadwell tells Admiral to have a jolly old good old day because, you know, that's something that Cadwell says. And he reports back to Southern Elsewhere like nothing is out of the ordinary because he's just silly. And then, you know, you have Clivia Tharn, Kina imp- impersonated the Empress of Cerido. Clearly, we want to know what happened to Clivia Tharn. And Abner Tharn and Baron Aquilarius will search for Clivia Tharn next year or the year after. It will happen. Abner Tharn is alive.
1: And then, anyone else you want to talk about here other than your Abner Tharn diatribe? You're going on? I mean, I think we should, you know, talk about a very important character, the
2: prophet, aka Varen Aquilarius, aka the emperor, aka
1: the, mean, fake you the fake dragonborn. If the fake dragonborn, aka the fake royal that we shouldn't talk about. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. He All built right, you a know, wall, the wall, you know. <laughs> He killed Reachman Leovich, which,
2: you know, was the Emperor of Cyrodiil, who legalized Age Worship. That's a no-go. Abner Tharn assisted Varian if he took Clivia Tharn as a wife, which he did. So, you know, we know he's a man of his word. Pretty good. And then, you know, Emperor of Cyrodiil, until he proclaimed himself Jaggerborn and Man Marco, the King of Worms, set up the trap with Ball to turn into the soulburst. And then, you know, the main story and all that. And, yeah, that's, you know, the prophet, Abner Tharn. Not Abner Tharn. <laughs> that's the prophet, very
1: in Dude, you're literally in love with Abner Tharn. Yep. Just call him the prophet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he is the prophet. <laughs> he guided the prophet.
1: All right, so let me just cut Dogged off there. I think you said enough Abner Tharn nonsense. Okay, well, you know, we still have to go over is you know, 3-1. Three, 3-1. One, three, one. <laughs> Fair enough, but at least let me slip in. The master of necromancy, the one and only, Marco, because this dude, you want to talk about royalty, not only does he exist in ESO, where he fools the fake Dragonborn and, you know, pretty much just teaches all abner tharn and the entire five companions a lesson in how they all can get defeated he plots against the freaking god of schemes and he might fail but he still returns in like he he exists in so many different Elder Scrolls games like the timeline is ridiculous and in the Dragon Break, in the end of uh, Elder Scrolls 2, Daggerfall, because that's how they kind of worked <laughs> the end, how it could have, like, nine different ways to end. Yeah, it's Dragon Break. And in one of those outcomes, Mana Marco becomes the uh, Necromancer's Moon, the God of Worms. And, uh, yeah. So... That's pretty freaking awesome. And I will now hand it back to Dog to talk about three other freaking Royals. I
2: mean, since you went over Mana Marco, I have to add one last thing you know, the five companions and Vanis will return to stop Mana Marco for good, or at least for a couple of eras in the final chapter of ESL, or the final year long story, or something like that. You know, something to be like, oh my gosh, is this really the final chapter? No. It's just catchy. Because it has to take place in the future. Alright. So, you know, we're going to go over some, you know, crazy family members here. We have uh, Prince Scar. He ends up insulting both the Dunmer and Argonian Ebonheart Pact delegates. Uh, for those who don't know, he's the son of Uran. Uh He blames both for... He blames both races for when uh, his father gets poisoned. But he does realize that he's been a fool when an Argonian saves his father. So, you no, know, he was, you know, a douche, and then he got better. So, good for him. Then, you know, Yorn, man, your family, like, ork thing. He changed his name and everything. He's on Orkthang. Uh The exiled twin brother of Yorn desecrated the body of his older sister to be accepted by the Crown of Freitas. And then, if you kill him, he shows up at the God of Schemes quest alongside with many other people. If you do the main story last, I plan on doing that. I didn't know about this, and I definitely plan on trying it. And you should too. I, w- I want to see how many people you can like fill up once you do like all the stories, and then do that final like main story. Then you have Prince Naaman. You know, he's the he's another evil brother of a faction leader, but this time it's to Iren. Uh, you know, just another reason why Emmerich is the right choice. No evil brothers. I mean, I think that's a big issue. And then the newest, you know, hashtag uh, ESO royal family fan. Uh, yeah, I just created that. But it's Princess Svana of Solitude. You know, she hails the, from Western Skyrim. Is best friends with Mog doesn't want to be a princess, but she does what has to be
1: done, and I'm hopefully
2: looking forward to see her again in Markarth. So, she's a pretty cool character.
1: Yeah, I was kind of a little bit surprised she didn't get a shout out. Honestly. Yeah. So, thank you all for showing up again. Super appreciate it. You know, as we've been saying, October is going to be our little uh, theme month going by the hashtag T-E-S-O October, October. October, uh, calendar, go check us out, go check them out, go check all the awesome other content creators out there posting, you know, stuff around these themes, a lot of artists, it's just such good art coming out, but we wanted to make sure there's some other content creation on around it too, so here we are, here you are, here Dog is, thank you all for being here, including Dogged. Why don't you tell them where they can find us outside of us just speaking into their ears, dog? So you can find us on Twitter of @RedDiamondCast. Find us on our Facebook of The Red Diamond
2: Courier. Then you can join our Xbox Guild of Ares of the Red Diamond, which you can join using a Robots Radio
1: Discord, found on RobotsRadio.net. And if you check the show notes in our bio, you can find links to our merch store, to both of our awesome sponsors that. All three of those options, anything you choose to spend, would directly give kickback and support to our podcast. So cool stuff for you and huge support for us. And we really thank you guys for anything you choose to do in that regards. You can also find links to our music producer and creator, Daniel Nisley, who can help you make music for all of your podcasting, YouTubing, Twitch streaming, Any kind of needs you have, even if you're making some kind of random commercial for your company or whatever, this dude's got it all. Go check it out. He's a great musician. And if you've also got time and you're listening to us right now on Apple Podcasts, is that you? You got an iPhone? iPad? Uh -uh -uh. I'm just kidding. But seriously. If you guys um, are on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform that allows you to leave us a review, drop us a review, and it's a huge, huge, huge um, benefit to us. Helps us grow in the charts. Helps us get seen by other eyes. Plus, if you leave us a five-star review and write some words in there, we will shout it out on the show and talk about how awesome you are. Uh, That's all you got to (laughs) do. Give us a review um but anyways thank you guys that really does help i know it sounds ridiculous but it's one of the biggest things that could help and if you got a homie if you got a friend you play all the shows with let them know about our show if you like it they probably will too even if it's someone who's never listened to a podcast before they might want to hear dog talk about all his crazy puns i don't know (laughs) but puns are great Yes, yes, sure they are. But, yeah, so thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for, like, this is, you, you know why we're here. We're here to give you guys all the content we love so much, and all the support you guys show is just a huge inspiration to keep it going. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, Dogged, bro, where can the people find you?
2: All right, so you can find me on Twitter of, at Dog 24. Same thing for ESOPC, and I'm also on also Dogbark24 on Xbox. So, yeah, you can come play with me. And, you know, you see that little lo- low-level dog, you know, in Cyrodiil, just going for his 100K for transmutes on ESOPC. Don't, you know, ulti-duff him. He doesn't want to die. You know, he just wants his 100K on every character so he can get some nice transmutes. That's all he wants.
1: And if you guys want to talk to me, you can find me on Xbox, Bob Chichinsky, or PC ESO. Also, Twitter and Twitch, both the same, all the same. Bob underscore Chichinsky. Thank you guys so, so much for hanging out. You know we love podcasts, and I'm coming out for you guys every week, and we will do so again the next with another awesome TES October theme. Can't wait for it already. Can't wait. And thank you guys so much for uh, listening to us this week. Thanks for being here with me again this week, dog. And yeah, we will catch you guys all on the flip side. Yep, see ya. Peace!
2: You've been Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.
0: In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. The chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of 2, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal, and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men, one wasteland, and so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast, rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing.